Law 28. Enter action with boldness. If you are unsure of a course of action, do not attempt it. Your doubts and hesitations will infect your execution. Timidity is dangerous. Better to enter with boldness. Any mistakes you commit through audacity are easily corrected with more audacity. Everyone admires the bold. No one honors the timid. This is one of my favorite laws in the book. It's one of the most executionable laws, something you can implement immediately. And I think it translates to a lot of the success you have in life. When you enter with boldness, you're attacking, you're going on the aggressive. You're playing offense instead of defense. We're trying to attack life. We're trying to kick fucking life's door down. We're trying to make sure the devil hears us when we come. I think this is one of the most important laws to young men and women of our generation because a lot of our men and women are fucking soft. That's the reality. We're just soft. The way we're raised, the privileges that, that we've been brought up with, the opportunities have made us take for granted our lives. And we're just fucking soft. And hopefully this law will teach, demonstrate, and show how to reverse that. Boldness and hesitation, a brief psychological comparison. Boldness and hesitation elicit very different psychological responses in their targets. Hesitation puts obstacles in your path, boldness eliminates them. Once you understand this, you will find it essential to overcome your natural timidity and practice the art of audacity. The following are among the most pronounced psychological effects of boldness and timidity. The bolder the lie, the better. We all have weaknesses and our efforts are never perfect, but entering action with boldness has the magical effect of hiding our deficiencies. Con artists know that the bolder the lie, the more convincing it becomes. The sheer audacity of the story makes it more credible, distracting attention from its inconsistencies. When putting together a con or entering any kind of negotiation, go further than you planned. Ask for the moon and you will be surprised how often you get it. You notice sometimes when you're in a conversation with somebody and you purposely want to fuck with them, you purposely want to just um, uh, play a joke on them and you say a lie, but you say it so convincingly, like you say something so ridiculous, maybe you say um, a different name, maybe you say a different profession you're in, anything, and you say it so convincingly with so much bravado that they believe you and you could continue with that lie the whole time. So that's kind of what you want to go with. Lions circle the hesitant prey. People have a sixth sense for the weakness of others. If in that first encounter you demonstrate your willingness to compromise, back down and retreat, you bring out the lion even in people who are not necessarily bloodthirsty. Everything depends on perception. And once you are seen as the kind of person who quickly goes on the defensive, who is willing to negotiate and be amenable, you will be pushed around without mercy. And as I was talking about before being soft, right? Backing down and retreating in situations where you need to stand up for yourself is an example of this. This is an example of something I did throughout a lot of my, my high school life, a lot of my childhood. So don't get it twisted. I'm not blaming our culture for being soft because I'm part of the problem. I'm blaming myself, but I'm trying to fix it. All these books, all these changes I've been trying to make in my life for the last years, you know, so I'm not trying to blame, I'm trying to say, as a collective, I think we're soft, but I think we can reverse it. So recognize if you're retreating, recognize if you're backing down and compromising your values and stand up. Boldness strikes fear, fear creates authority. 
The bold moves makes you seem larger and more powerful than you are. If it comes suddenly with the stealth and swiftness of a snake, it inspires that much more fear. By intimidating with a bold move, you establish a precedent. At every subsequent encounter, people will be on the defensive, in terror of your next strike. Going halfway with half a heart digs the, the deeper grave. If you enter an action with less than total confidence, you set up obstacles in your own path. When a problem arises, you will grow confused, seeing options where there are none, and inadvertently creating more problems still. Retreating from the hunter, the timid hare scurries more easily into his snares. This reminds me of sport, basketball, it's where I came from. You know, if you enter that game with anything less than total confidence in yourself and your team, well, you can just look in the opponent and you can see that. You can see fear. You can see, you can see timidity in their eyes. You can see it in their behavior, their body language and actions. You know, it translates to a lot, especially sport. So if you play it, you need to realize how important your actions are and your body language is and how it translates. Hesitation creates gaps. Boldness obliterates them. When you take time to think, to hem and haw, you create a gap that allows others time to think as well. Your timidity infects people with awkward energy, elicits embarrassment, doubt springs up on all sides. Boldness destroys such gaps. The swiftness of the move and the energy of the action leave others no space to doubt and worry. In seduction, hesitation is fatal. It makes your victim conscious of your intentions. The bold move crowns seduction with triumph. It leaves no time for reflection. Audacity separates you from the herd. Boldness gives you presence and makes you seem larger than life. The timid fade into the wallpaper. The bold draw attention, and what draws attention draws power. We cannot keep our eyes off the audacious. We cannot wait to see their next bold move. We live in a time right now where it's never been so easy to run, create your own business, to become an entrepreneur. The following relates to that. Great enterprises are only achieved by adventurous spirits. They who calculate with too great nicety every difficulty and obstacle which is likely to lie in their way lose that time and hesitation, which the more daring sees and render available to the loftiest purposes. We often spend time calculating, planning for months and years on end, ridiculous amounts of times for even the most small of tasks and goals. Great enterprises are only achieved by adventurous spirits. Sometimes you just have to throw care to the wind and attack. Sometimes you can't spend time planning meticulously and I'm victim to this as well because I love to be organized but sometimes you just have to go. You, ju you just have to go because if you spend so much time calculating then your opportunity can pass. Someone may take your idea, someone may execute it before you and may do it better than you because you spent too much time sitting down and thinking. Observance of the law. In May 1925, a con artist named Lustig, a very famous con artist who I've discussed before, actually managed to sell the Eiffel Tower to somebody, successfully, twice. Now he did this by, with deception and with this law. He basically exclaimed to these gentlemen, the businessmen, that the Eiffel Tower was to be torn down. He posed as a, a, a minister of the, for the government. And he posted these businessmen of scrap metal companies that uh, they would be torn down so they would make a lot of money from the metal. The highest bidder actually ended up having doubts and contemplating whether it was actually a scam in the last portion of the, of the sale. But then Lustig played it in a way that made him seem like 
official made it seem real because he started complaining about you know how low his salary was he talked about emotions of like his wife's desire for these for these expensive items and clothes so this brought this businessman's guard down he didn't have doubts anymore because he believed he was real because he knew lustig knew that french bureaucrats had often asked for a little for bribes here and there so that's how he made it real, that's how, that's how he created the authenticity behind the lie. Monsieur, who's the person who purchased the Eiffel Tower, he realized after a few phone calls that was no Deputy Director Lustig, there was no plans to destroy the Eiffel Tower, and he built, being billed over 250,000 francs, which is over a million dollars in today's currency, and that was it. Lustig had made a million dollars. And Lustig actually did it again, six months later, to a higher bid, to the sum of about 1.5 million of today's dollars. All through boldness, all through tactness. Because you can use this law for negativity, you can, you can, as Lustig did, he made a lot of money. But it's just an example of how real this is. How he actually sold the Eiffel Tower to somebody through manipulation and through belief in his actions. The story of who sang. In Anamson Valley, there was a poor couple who lived in a cottage. The husband had confined himself for many years, only reading books in his room. One day, his wife came to him and started, you know, complaining about her pains and, and, her, and her frustrations. What is the use of you reading all these books? She's, I spent my youth washing and sewing for other people, yet I have no spare clothes to wear myself. I have no food to eat. I'm hungry and cold. Hearing these words, the middle-aged scholar, closed his book, rose to his feet without saying any word, he left abruptly. Arriving in the heart of the city, he asked, who was the richest man in town? He told him who the richest man was. He made his way through, addressed the host. He exclaimed, I need 10,000 yang for capital for my commercial business, and I want you to lend me the money. The millionaire, rich man responded, all right, sir, where shall I send the money? He replied, and they'd finished their transaction. When Husang was gone, all the other guests in the room asked why he gave so much money to this beggar-like stranger whose family name was unknown to him. But the rich man replied with a triumphant face, even though he was in ragged clothes, he spoke clearly to the point without betraying shame or inferiority. Unlike common people who want to borrow money for a bad debt, such a man as he is either mad or self-confident in doing business. But judging from his dauntless eyes and booming voice, he is an uncommon man with a superhuman brain worthy of trust. I know money and I know men. Money often makes a man small, but a man like him makes big money. I am only glad to have helped a big man do big business. Behind the scenes of royal palaces in Korea, Hang Tang Hung, 1983. When asking for favors, we often approach with timidity, especially when we feel like we don't deserve what we're about to ask. That's kind of why we do it, because we feel bad, we feel guilty. I don't wanna ask you for money, I don't wanna ask you for a favor. Sometimes feel like we have to owe this person back. We have to balance out the energy. We have to balance out the, the, the favor, okay? But for this gentleman, he entered with such audacity, with such boldness, that he just gave him the money. All the books, and I bet you it was from all the books he was reading, so it's quite ironic, it's quite coincidental. The very books he was reading taught him these lessons, and he executed it. Keys to power. Most of us are timid. We want to avoid tension and conflict and we want to be liked by all. We may contemplate a bold action, but we rarely bring it to life. We are terrified of the consequences of what others might think of us, of the hostility we will stir up if we dare go beyond our usual place. 
Although we may disguise our timidity as a concern for others, a desire not to hurt or offend them, in fact it is the opposite. We are really self-absorbed, worried about ourselves and how others perceive us. Boldness on the other hand is outer-directed and often makes people feel more at ease since it is less self-conscious and less repressed. All great seducers succeed through effrontery. Casanova's boldness was not revealed in daring approach to the women he desired or in intrepid words to flatter her. It consisted in his ability to surrender himself to her completely and make her believe he would do anything for her. The woman on whom he lavished his attention understood that he held nothing back from her. This was infinitely more flattering than compliments. At no point during the seduction would he show hesitation or doubt, simply because he never felt it. Boldness directs attention outward and keeps the illusion alive. It never induces awkwardness or embarrassment. And so we admire the bold and we prefer to be around them because their self-confidence infects us and draws us outside our own realm of inwardness and reflection. Now if we talk in the topic of seduction, if you understand those communities of those many people out there trying to help um, young and old and middle-aged men learn how to approach women and learn how to be confident in themselves. The reality is, if you have one guy exactly the same looks, exactly the same person, except he enters with boldness and directs attention outward, he never induces that awkwardness or embarrassment when he approaches that woman um, to start a conversation or to compliment her. But if you have the exact same person enter with timidity, well now there's a nervous energy. Now is there now there's awkwardness. Now there may be embarrassment. Same person. One enters with boldness, one enters with timidity. Who do you think comes out with the more positive result? Understand, if boldness is not natural, neither is timidity. It is an acquired habit, picked up out of our desire to avoid conflict. If timidity has taken hold of you, then root it out. Your fears of consequences of a bold action are way out of proportion to reality. And in fact, the consequences of timidity are worse. Your value is lowered and you create a self-fulfilling cycle of doubt and disaster. Remember, the problems created by an audacious move can be disguised, even remedied by more and greater audacity. Authority. I certainly think that it is better to be impetuous than cautious, for fortune is a woman and it is necessary if you wish to master her, to conquer her by force, and it can be seen that she lets herself be overcome by the bold rather than by those who proceed coldly. And therefore, like a woman, she is always a friend to the young, because they are less cautious, fiercer, and master her with greater audacity. Niccolo Machiavelli Reversal Boldness should never be the strategy behind all your actions. It is, the, it is a tactical instrument to be used at the right moment. Plan to think ahead and make the final element the bold move that will bring your success. Since boldness is a learned response, it is also one that you learn to control and utilize at will. As much as I talk about boldness and audacity and in this aggressive tone, in this demanding confident tone, you have to slow it down. You have to control it, just like any emotion, just like any of these laws. To go through life armed only with audacity would be tiring and also fatal. You would offend too many people as it is proven by those who cannot control their boldness. If you hear my tone now, it's slower, it's calmer, it's more controlled. Compare it to the first half when I was starting, louder, quicker. Pick your moments, when to be bold and when to be calm. 
the reality is that timidity has no place in the realm of power. You will often benefit, however, by being able to feign it. At that point, of course, it is no longer timidity, but an offensive weapon. You are luring people in with your show of shyness, all the better to pounce on them boldly later. One of the most important laws, the most relevant laws to me personally, and to young men and women out there. If there's maybe half a dozen videos of my 48 Law of Power videos that I did, let one of them be this one. Law 28, enter action with boldness.